Well, I don't care about the money, like it's the respect that I'm wanting. Honestly, I just want to be one of the greats, where they got to bring your boy up every debate. I don't want to lead the game the same. In a nutshell, what's your legacy? Well, I want to be the dude that Welcome, came in the Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to like another that. edition the of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com, and it is just me here with you right now, anyway. Matthew Matera will be along shortly. He will be joining the show, and we will be taking your questions on a lot of different topics, man, we've got uh, a slate of things to talk about today. We weren't sure there'd be any Bucks news today. And we've got Tom Brady on the front cover of Madden. Uh, that's going to be interesting. We've got Bucks season tickets sold out. Uh, so we'll talk about the, the Madden curse and whether it's real or not. And we'll talk about this Bucks season already being sold out and what fans think of that. They've been around for a while. They've seen a lot of these Bucks seasons, probably never seen one anticipated quite like this one's going to be. So uh, we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about a lot of your questions, including the role Antonio Brown's going to fill fill the season. I think a lot of people are like, "Why is you know?" People have said, "Why hasn't he been talked about more?" I saw people on Twitter, people on YouTube comments, "Why isn't Antonio Brown being talked about more?" You know, what could he be his ceiling in this offense in terms of production? We'll talk to some of that already. I see we've got some good questions in the chat, so we're going to get to those shortly. But I want to make sure I take the time to shout out our good friends over at Celsius who bring you all aspects of the Pewter Report podcast as our proud title sponsor. I've got the sparkling strawberry guava today. If you know anything about Celsius, you know that it powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. Unbelievable. Zero sugar. And to get this taste, it's a cheat code, folks. It's terrific stuff. Make sure you check out, you can check out obviously Celsius on Celsius.com as well as going to the banner ads at pewterreport.com. You can click on those, get yourself some Celsius. I mean, there's a lot of different flavors out there to try. I love the strawberry guava, but there's plenty of good options. So make sure you check that out when you get a chance. And Pewter Report listeners, if you love Celsius and we know the most of you do, we are going to have a special opportunity coming up later in the show that you're going to want to stick around for an opportunity to win a case of your favorite Celsius energy drink flavor, as well as the hottest and tastiest new protein bar on the market. That's coming up later in the show, so make sure you stay tuned for that. All right, want to get to a couple of your questions before Matt even gets in here. Uh, we'll keep uh, an eye out for him uh, jumping into the chat, but we've got had some good ones before we even... Um, before I even started the show, really, um, let's see. Let's talk about Scott at the outset. Somebody asked about him again. Calvin wants to know uh, when is Scott coming back and is he okay? Uh, he is. He's. You can see he's still writing articles on the site. He's still doing all of that stuff. Um, this thing with Scott is that he's lost his voice. That was that was his big concern. Um, he lost his voice. He thought it was just a normal sickness, and then it's been laryngitis and a couple other complications off that. That I'll let him tell you more about when he does come back. But suffice to say, he is getting treatment. He is getting better. His voice has been better. Every time I've talked to him, talked to him, not today, but yesterday, I uh, heard his voice and it was about 60. He still sounds like Batman, but it's definitely stronger than it was before. Um, so his voice is working its way back. He's hopeful for next week. We'll see if he can get on the pod next week. Um, but yeah, it's been a voice thing for him. And I'm sure we'll have some stories to tell you uh, when he comes back. But yeah, other than that, he feels fine. I mean, he's He's doing fine. He's writing articles. He's you know doing sales, all that kind of stuff that he normally does. Um, it's just the podcast, the speaking part is where <laughs> it gets really tricky for him. Doctors recommend that they really uh, rest his vocal cords as much as possible. So he is okay. He's still writing. He's still producing. He's still tweeting. You see him during lightning games over on the Peter Report account tweeting away. Um, just hasn't been able to be on the podcast. Um, yeah, Zeeshawn says, Raymond J, Ray J sold out. I mean, I agree. This is awesome. Um, I don't know as well as some of y'all do, like what the history of probably the Bucks um, is in terms of that stadium. I know what I've heard, like about how attendance hasn't necessarily always been great and things like that. But I know Scott just wrote an article about this over at PeterReport.com. He kind of talked a lot about uh, the stadium and being sold out and things like that and, and kind of um, when, when some of his history of covering the team, um, is, is going to come into play here too, because he's got an idea of when the last time this happened was. And, um, yeah, I mean, when, whether this demand is totally unprecedented or whatever. So there's some good stuff in that article that I have to take a look at. Um, I was running around getting ready for the show, but it seems crazy. I mean, not that we were totally unexpected. It's totally been, totally been unexpected because obviously the Bucs might be, you know, the most anticipated team to watch in, in the league this season. Um, but 
still awesome. Like we've always said, there's like a huge, you know, conglomerate of Bucks fans here. They love football. They're just waiting to have a team to root for. And for a long time, the Bucks obviously didn't provide that. And now they have. And I think that that's obviously going to be paid dividends for the Bucks, for Tampa Bay, uh, for the area, for all of it. So um, love that for sure. Long Lost Glazer wants to know, what is Spotify Green Room? Is Locker Room officially over? Team Android. Uh, I, yes, apparently Locker Room is, didn't let me know anything, but I noticed yesterday that the app changed to Spotify Green Room. I think it changed yesterday uh, to Spotify Green Room. I know that Spotify bought them, um, so I'm going to try and get in touch with them and see what the situation is there and see if uh, – but, yeah, Spotify Green Room. So I don't know if that oh, – like, can you, can you get in on – the the Spotify's now because I think it's moving over to Spotify, and so I would guess that the app is now open to Android users as well. But I did not get any notification about that happening ahead of yesterday's show when I announced that we would have a locker room show last night, which we did have. But apparently, it was on Spotify Green Room instead. Uh, Long lost Glazer wants to know: expecting Dallas and Atlanta to have two of the worst pass defenses this season. Yes, it completely, especially early. Can we reasonably expect Brady and the Bucks to go two and zero for eight hundred plus yards, ten touchdowns, and put the two thousand thirteen Broncos on notice? I really don't know. Um, there's a lot of elements to what production like that. Obviously, it's in the cards. I don't think there's any questions. It's in it's in the cards for them to open the season with some pretty crazy performances. I mean, you're right; those are two of the worst pass defenses in the league this year. Um, you know, I really don't see a path for those guys being good, especially out of the gate. And you expect and hope the Bucks would hit the ground running. The other aspect of this is there's this this Dan Quinn, you know, impact now going on in Dallas, and his defenses traditionally that he's run have been kind of carved up by Brady. Now, obviously, he's had some stops where he's added wrinkles and given Brady some fits in the past before, but. Yeah, I would definitely expect that Brady would have a lot of success against Dallas and Atlanta and the defense they have in place now. Atlanta's going to have Dean Pease, uh, so that there'll be some new elements there he'll incorporate. Um, you know, He plays a lot of man coverage. I, I don't think anything there is going to be a problem. And the other struggling aspect of Atlanta is I just don't know if they have the talent. Like, where's the Even if the scheme is good, I don't know if these players can hang. And if he tries to play some of the schemes Pease has played in the past, well, he had Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphrey and those guys, and then in Tennessee, Dory Jackson. And so he's had good players. Um, in the past when he's done a lot of the things that he's done, I just don't know how that's going to all translate in Atlanta where yikes, <laughs> it's a, it's a group very much is a work in progress to say the least. Um, long lost Glazer wants to know as well, if Carlton continues his ascension to a Godwin level must keep 2022 free agent who is more likely to sign long-term and who gets the tag. Well, I have to look at the tag marks at that point in time, but I believe God or uh, Davis would be more likely to get the tag. Godwin, I think is probably looking at long-term deal. He he's not, no one wants to tag two years in a row. Um, I think the bucks will do whatever they can. I think they will try and work out a long-term deal with Godwin and Carlton would be more likely to get the tag. Uh, first year tag is lower cornerback tag i believe is lower than 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 wide receiver i'm pretty sure um even if the market shifts some i don't think it will affect it for that year so um carlton getting the tag seems pretty likely if they can't work out something long term with him if he plays really well if he plays really well then the tag is more likely if he plays just well and you know like this past season it kind of flies nationally under the radar he's not like an all pro or Pro Bowl or anything like that. Um, maybe it's easier to work out a contract. I don't know. Those things get you. The spotlight's on the Bucks. So, and Carlton covers number one. So, if he plays well, the tag might be the best way to keep him because the market could be pretty hot. I mean, he's his size, his work ethic, the fact he's improved every year, especially if he has ball production again. Last year, the jump in ball production is huge. Teams love that. And so, he fought four picks last year. And so, and he's more passes defended over the last two or maybe three seasons than any other corner in the league. I think it's all three three seasons he's been in the league. I think he's got more pass breakups, and he's also the most targeted corner, but he's given up production per target has been great numbers for a guy that's been picked on all the time, um, thrown at a lot. Uh, he's really produced very well. Um, so, yeah, I think his resume is very impressive. Um, and you kind of go into – long lost Glazer, you're going to some more detail. Or Davis should want at least 
Number four, CB money, a cornerback money, Darius Slay. Yes, I wouldn't disagree with you here. I think these are reasonable expectations. Now, Godwin's market is is very tricky. I think Carlton's, you're more likely that's probably stable. Like somewhere, even if those guys are like, oh, a little bit on the higher end, I think you're going to see Davis want 15 to 16 per. Dave or um, Godwin is trickier because the wide receiver market just nosedived last year. I know some guys still got paid. Um, I think those were teams kind of making mistakes more than it was the general consensus. Um, I just don't think there's going to be a huge market for the wide receiver position. Now, if Godwin balls out this year, he's the exception. If he's hurt again this year and he doesn't get a thousand, it, it, it's it's just trickier for him. I mean, you know, some team may just be like, we believe we're all in, you know, we're, we believe. Um, and Godwin to me is that kind of player where I would be comfortable with that as long as he's in tends to dictate these things more than what any one team will do. So one team could want Godwin really, really bad, but they're going to be so aware of the market that they aren't going to offer anything on the high end because they're going to think, okay, we can lowball him and still get him. Um, so that plays a part in all this, um, too. So we'll see what happens. Obviously with Godwin, he's going to probably be more expensive per year than Carlton Davis would be my guess for sure. How expensive does he get up over those 20, that 20 mil to Keenan Allen, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is like way out there. That, that could be a total outlier situation. He obviously had all the leverage in the world. Um, so I don't know. We will have to see, um, kind of what, what pans out with Godwin, I would guess, though, yeah, definitely more expensive than Davis. Whether it'll be more expensive than Allen, that's the part that we've got to kind of wait and figure out. Um, all right, let me get to some of these other questions. Uh, Razor wants to know, hey, do you think the reason Mike Evans has had a hard time beating cornerbacks like Marshawn Lattimore and Jalen Ramsey, I am a Mike Evans fan, by the way, is because of a lot of double teaming. There is some truth to this razor, and that is, you know, I, I mentioned before, I'm writing on Tuesday uh, about who's better, Chris Godwin or Mike Evans. Uh, I'm going, I'm letting the two go head to head. I'm running them through my grading, my grading scale that I use for draft prospects of, of cat looking at each category of wide receiver play, um, and I'm kind of evaluating through and through that lens after obviously studying the last two seasons of tape. I think I've studied probably every snap of them over the last two seasons, um, and so. That's going to be revealing, and I'm excited to get that piece out to you all. I won't reveal my conclusions or anything, but I will say one of the best arguments for Mike Evans in that discussion is that he sees CB1s all the time. He sees the top corner all the time, where with Godwin, that's obviously not the case. I mean, Godwin hasn't had been the number one in his career. Um, we can evaluate the skill and, and the ability and say, oh, well, he clearly has the ability to be you know, a number one type of guard, to beat number one corners and be that type of player. But the reality is we've seen Mike Evans do it for years with great consistency, and that hasn't been the case with Godwin. Um, so, yes, I think you, the flip side of that is that Mike Evans hasn't always beaten these those corners, Lattimore, Jalen Ramsey. I actually thought he played great against Jalen Ramsey, to be honest. I think that they missed some opportunities. I thought he played better in that game than maybe the numbers indicated. But it's definitely been somewhat of a concern. You know, even James Bradbury gave him issues for years in Carolina. Now I thought again, he had a really good game for the most part uh, against, uh, against Bradbury this past year. And I think Brady actually missed him a few times and they just kind of didn't quite connect on a few plays where I felt like he had Bradbury beaten. Um, and last year was probably Bradbury's best year. So, uh, so that those matchups, they go up and down. But, yeah, no question, Lattimore's absolutely had his number. There's no doubt about that. Um, whenever he get, makes any type of play against Lattimore, I think Bucks fans get excited. So double teaming is a part of it. Some of those situations, he is bracketed with the safety, but a lot of it against the Saints and definitely the Rams was, you know, he was on an island. It was it was one-on-one. And so there's, yeah, there's some predictability with his route tree that I think the Bucks tried to get away from this past year, putting him in the slot more shake things up, make him a little bit harder to cover with your top guy. Okay, you want to move Lattimore inside, that's fine, but he has not played inside very often in his career, and that's a way to either give Evans an advantage if he's going to be better inside than Lattimore is or get him away from Lattimore if the Saints want to defend him with someone else. So diversifying Evans' skill set in that way, I think, comes in handy. What the Bucs may have learned at this point that they didn't know probably through the first eight weeks of last season when Evans was playing in the slot a lot is that they just have enough guys that if somebody wants to put their number one on Evans, just let them not let them knock themselves out all day and just win with your other guys. Uh, that's an option too. So 
plenty of options for how to win for the Bucks offense, no question. But yes, double teams has been a part of it. Although those, I think the games where teams have really tried to focus on taking them away, Evans has still had ways to make success. It really is those one-on-one matchups, you know, the tend to if things can get away from him a little bit. You know, Evans is emotional and I don't think guys like he definitely necessarily loses it all the time. We've definitely seen that happen a few times in his career, but I think he's at his best when he's playing under control and he's able to be real technical with everything that he does. He's he's a really good technician. Um when he gets caught up in these shoving battles, you know, he can get knocked off balance and things like that. He for a big guy, he's really lanky. Like he's not like rocked up like some of these other big strong receivers so um i think guys that are super aggressive with him he tends to just kind of fist fight him basically at the line of scrimmage uh, rather than be just as technical so um some of those matchups i think can disrupt him because of that it gets him out of his technique based approach uh, which is where he's at his best i think um let's see Here's a good question from Horace. Since you covered the Steelers for a long time, as well as the Bucks more recently, was there a team you covered that has been more highly anticipated by its fan base than this year's Bucks team? I don't think so, especially because they've already won it and got everybody back. That's a scenario that really doesn't happen. So I don't think I, w- I would say that this is probably one of the more anticipated seasons by an NFL team in recent memory. I mean, you have so many storylines, obviously, but. I, last year was very anticipated, but we were just coming off a year in which so much was uncertain. We didn't even know what the year would look like, and there was so much focus on other things. This year, I really think the focus is just so much on this Bucks team. Like, how good can they really be? Can they really do some of the things you know people are throwing around undefeated and I, a season? And I've said to people, I don't think it's wrong to throw that out. You're not going to jinx away the Bucks' chances in an undefeated season. Like, they could lose week one if the if things break against them. You know, I don't think it's going to happen, but. You know, that's the reality. Undefeated seasons are incredibly hard to do. But if you're going to be optimistic, if you're going to talk about it, you're never going to get a better chance and opportunity to talk about it than the Bucs and even the Chiefs this year. Talk about it if you want to. That O-line's probably going to be better or as good and as it was when they were all healthy. And obviously, they've got a lot of other pieces in place. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is this kind of stuff you can talk about for sure. I mean, it's not going to ruin anything if you talk about an under potential undefeated season for the bucks uh you know whatever's going to happen is going to happen regardless of whether you say those words or not so um i think it's on the table but i, I think it's unlikely to happen really hard especially with the extra game it's just you know one more obstacle numbers wise that you have to overcome it's just very very difficult in today's nfl to, to play that way consistently every single week but they definitely have the chance to have a really really good season and somebody was also saying this you know it's been Somebody said um, in, a, in an article recently, actually, and I didn't, I wasn't offended by it necessarily, but they just said, you know, they can't stand me saying about how the what well, things the Bucks need to do to get better. Like just because I come from Pittsburgh area where the Steelers have you know won for a long time, you know, like I have all the answers because of that. And I kind of corrected the person. I said, actually, I really think the Bucks have more answers on building a winning process than the Steelers do right now. And I think it's been that way for a couple of years. And you know, that might surprise some people, but I mean, look at the way the approach that the teams have to the draft positions of value, how they've drafted, not only just drafting better players, but just positions of value and what matters and types of players to acquire and where to put, how to use your money. Um, Steelers have kind of just kept kicking the can down the road when the show's over for, for years. And so there's been a lot of that. I mean, Steelers don't use analytics. Uh, you know, they're probably one of the least teams that use that kind of stuff in the league. And the Bucks are have definitely gravitated toward using more of it in recent years, been open about that. So yeah, I think that there's just a lot of things Tampa Bay are doing right now as a front office and as a franchise that is going to keep this window open longer than just this season or next season or, or whatever that may look like. Um, they have a chance to have a, a, a really good franchise for a long time with the kind of leadership that they have in place. I think, can keep all those pieces there. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the keys, obviously easier said than done um, for sure. But Vortex uh, wants to know, do you think we're a top five play action usage offense this year? This is a great question, Vortex, because the numbers would tell us no chance that this happens. Arians has always been at the bottom of the league in play action usage. Last year was not an exception to that. Um, it was different though because they did use more play action than they had in past years. So I think there's there's an element to which this could be better. The play action usage could be something 
this team does more and more of this season than they've done in the past. Matt Matera joining the show just in time for this zinger of a question, Matt. Vortex wants to know if he thinks the Bucs will be a top five play action usage offense this year. I say there will be more play action from a Bruce Arians offense than we've ever seen before, but not top five in the league. That would be a huge deviation from who he normally is. Yeah. Unbelievable for the Bucs, but. First of all, hello, everyone. Uh, better late than never. Fashionably late to the party. That's all right. And it's funny, John, because you were one of the main ones that was banging the table during the season last year, being like, they need to run more play action. They yeah. have to. It doesn't even matter if they're successful on the ground. You run play action, and it works, especially with this team. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see that. They started doing it more towards the end of the season, Mm -hmm. into the postseason. I think top five, again, probably not because of everything you just talked about. I think we're going to see an increase because it was so successful. You go back to the tape, you see what works, and clearly play action worked. So I I think we're going to see an increase, but top five, still a little too early. Yeah, top five seems optimistic to me. Um, I will say this. The Super Bowl was the game that they ran the most play action that they run in any game so far this season. It was They were up uh, in the 40s in percentile. They were almost at 50%. I, th- I want to say they were 46%, 47%. I know they were in the 40s. I can't remember the exact number right now, but they, it was their highest percentage all season for sh- by, by a long mm-hmm. shot. Uh, and you said it. After the bye, there was a clear change, especially after the Vikings game. I think it was – you know, they went, they went and they said, all right, we're going to use play. They came out of that second half against Atlanta. They just play action play. I mean, they just play action to death. Um, even in the first half, they'd had some success moving the ball and they did it all largely off play action. So it's just a cheat code. NFL defenses haven't figured out the best way to stop it. Um, there may be a point at which there is, you, you can run too much play action, but analytically we have not found that point yet. There, there's no numbers that indicate that we found that point yet. I'm open to seeing whether it happens or not in the future, but yeah, it's, it's clear that that hasn't happened yet. And so I'm anxious to see if the bucks use more of that play action, because I think it can be so effective for them on so many levels. They already have this great talent, but now you're talking about opening up the middle of the field, which is always, that's, that's been the hard part in the Bruce Arians offense, right? Yeah. He loves the outside verticals. He loves the deep over routes. They go, come across the field and there is some of that middle of the field attacking, but it come across the field, loves those, those types of concepts that get you on the opposite sideline and things like that. But can you literally work mesh and sit routes in the middle of the field and things like that? The, the slant game, more of those, that's something that just came alive for them over the second half of the year. I mean, think about how many th- window throws Brady was making between linebackers and in front of safeties. And that was a, a huge turning point in their season where they had just not had a lot of success throwing the ball to the middle of the field. And then that opened up and it became really, really hard to defend what they did. And I think as well that the offensive line deserves a shout out because Mm -hmm. you can't keep running play action all the time. If you don't have a stout offensive line that is able to stave off these, these pass rushers for longer. So I just want to give a shout out to all the guys up front because they never get credit. And we love talking about skill players and rightfully so, but without this bucks offensive line, you don't see the success in the play action game that they had. Right. Yeah. Agreed. I think that that, the, the offensive line in general for the Bucs did a lot for this team. And great, granted, it was Brady, you know, definitely right. getting the ball out quickly. That helps and being in the same place every single game in the pocket, all that. But yeah, no question. There, no question. It was a huge, the offensive line being the best, maybe the Bucs have ever seen. I, you know, I don't know. I have watched every season of Bucks football, but I, I can't imagine that there were many better offensive lines than this one in Bucks history. Um, yeah, that, that, that was a huge part of the success. By the way, southbound and down is not Scott, just so everyone knows. <laughs> this is not Scott. Just want to let everybody know. Um, yeah, uh, we've got so – let's see. We've got some uh, – Wishing B says, recency bias there. Probably some of the Patriots teams were as highly anticipated. If you go back in time, the Chiefs were expecting a back-to-back. Yeah, we talked about whether this was more anticipated – one of the most anticipated seasons in NFL history for a team. Uh, yeah, there's definitely some truth. I mean, you could definitely say some teams were on the level. I would just say that this is probably on that level. You can make arguments for 
certain Patriots teams for sure. I mean, some of the players yeah, those so Patriots the, the issue with the Patriots thing is that they were the favorites every single year. It wasn't just like the year after they, they yeah. won the Super Bowl. They were even more favorites then. And I think a big part of it too was that, you know, they just pummeled up on the AFC East. So they would mm-hmm. automatically have a buy. Um, the Chiefs, I think too, just because Mahomes is such a young quarterback and that offense was so electric that you're like, okay, let's just sign him up for the next three Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you could I, definitely. I saying, yeah, yeah. Patriots, Eagles, remember that Eagles super team? So that's that's the one of the things that popped into my head was the super team. With, um, that didn't work out at all. No, no, it did not. <laughs> and so that was like the worst case, but that was one of the more anticipated teams, I believe, that we've seen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there there have been other teams that are definitely on that on that similar level. I don't want to make it sound like the Bucks are like head and shoulders. This is the best team, you know, or anything like that. I do think. Though a lot of factors go into this, the storylines are part of it. Having just won the Super Bowl and then bring everybody back, yeah, you win the Super Bowl like, and there's no changes. It's like, oh yeah. well, like what else do you expect? Right, like you know, that. Wouldn't that they be right, that is maybe set up a level of expectation to me that is hard to compare to other years because even when you did, there was some level of change in other organizations, other teams year to year. Um, rarely do you get the back to back percentage chance that makes as much sense on paper as this does and also you consider the state of the nfc right now especially if aaron Rodgers, he looks pretty serious about this yeah i i was watching a, a little bit of i saw some clips of the the i guess you can call it interview that they had with um rogers and bryson dechambeau and brady and phil mickelson and Rodgers does not look like a guy that's even thinking about hitting the field. No. You know, he was in Hawaii, I think, a week ago. He was at the Kentucky Derby. He was hanging out with Miles Teller, I think, yeah. on that trip in Hawaii. The guy's gonna, just enjoying yeah. the offseason. You know what? All, They're going to trade him or he's going to sit enjoy out the it. Enjoy it, Aaron Rodgers. Have a great yeah. time. Come back in a season. You know, you've earned it. You played really hard. Let Brady just dominate. The, not just the NFC, but the entire league. And then, you know, come back in, in a year or something like that. Well, let's just say that he's done. Like, he just says, I'm not playing this year. Like, if you're not going to trade me, I'm not playing. If you're the Packers, like, at what point are you just like, all right, we, we got to, like, legitimately trade this dude. Like, he's well, just going to be less valuable next offseason no, if you wait. He's less you're, you're on his contract. Like, And what, it's, it's weird, too, because it's different, but there are some – little similarities between when they were going through that issue with Brett Favre, where it was like Brett Favre is undecided about whether he's going to play again. Ah, okay. I'm going to retire. I kind of feel like playing again. And the Packers kind of like, dude, you just said you were going to retire. Like we got to move on. Like now you want to come back. Like, what do we do here? Right. The thing with Rogers is the thing with Rogers is he knows he wants to keep playing football. He just doesn't want to do it in green Bay. Yeah. So, and Rogers is stubborn. He's one of the most stubborn dudes in the league. Let's just be real. Like, if he says he doesn't want to play, and that's what he's not, he's not going to play. Like he won't. And not many NFL players can do that too. Like you right. see it in the NBA a lot. If a guy wants to get traded, he'll do whatever it takes to get traded. The NFL, you don't see that as much with just players that are disgruntled and really forcing the hand of the front office. Because a lot of times, the front office at the end of the day, like they kind of hold more of the cards mm-hmm. in the situation, but. Aaron Rodgers is taking it to him and it's uh, you know, it makes for entertaining television and subplots in the off season when we're in between players practicing. So, no, oh, yeah, I mean, it absolutely does. And it's one of those scenarios that if you're green Bay to me, like I was saying, I just, this is not like even a guy like Watson, who's super young, you know, and like, okay, maybe even if he sat out a year, like, He's got his whole career in heaven. This is literally Rogers. He's like, what, 39 or something? Like, yeah, he could literally retire right now. It wouldn't be weird. Like, so you're going to let him do that and not get anything for him? That's just horrible business. Like, at some point, you just have to accept that this, you did this. Well, so this, not and this. drafting receiver for like 10 years yeah, in a row. Right. So, <laughs> but like, at some point, they just have to accept they did this, this, and this. And this is how he feels about it. And they should have checked with him yeah. and they didn't. And like, I know they might want him because he's still the MVP, but like, he ain't coming. So, you know, and I'm not saying it is at that point, but everything we hear from everybody who's in the know seems like it is at that point. So as long as those people are right and Rogers is really not going to just show up and I, we've known, I mean, come on, like everybody's seen Aaron Rodgers for years. We know exactly Aaron Rodgers is like, dude, old yeah. grudges. I mean, 
Yeah, not to get per- he hasn't even let it go with his own family. Like, come on, he's not gonna just show up and be like, Oh yeah, everything's fine here. Like, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go all out to win this season for this franchise, which I now hate at least the leadership of, you know. So it just I don't know. It yeah, I do I, like in his interviews a lot. He's uh, he's got like a dry sense of humor and he's always oh yeah smirking at something. He was he was on with Kenny Maine for like Kenny Maine's last mm-hmm. uh episode on on Sports Center, and it was a pretty funny interview and stuff like that. Oh, too. yeah. So, like, Rodgers is getting into that. He's into that category now with guys like Brady and Gronk, where he can have a successful career doing other stuff. Like, he could just go host Jeopardy or host like another show that sure, like, yeah. Dwayne Wade just got a job hosting some. Not that Dwayne Wade needs a job, he's very rich, but he's, <laughs> he's hosting some like family game, whatever. Yeah, so. Right. Oh, no question. Yeah. He, get, he has a lot of options. There's no doubt about it. Horace wants to know, why does Evans seem to be overlooked when others discuss elite wide receivers? Is it because he doesn't always have supposedly gaudy numbers or are there legit objections to his playing style or performance? I don't know about the gaudy numbers thing. I mean, he's obviously got gaudy numbers, right? He's got a thousand yards seven years in a row. That's, you know, but I guess guess he's not always, he's had a 1500 yard season. He's had a a couple, a couple of 15. The issue for Mike is that up until this season, the Bucks weren't a team in the limelight. They weren't a team that was nationally recognized. He was on a lot of losing teams, so that tends to not get the the national public interest. I think too, Mike is he's awesome. He's an extremely humble guy. He does so much for the community of Tampa and his uh, and his hometown of Galveston in Texas. Extremely charitable guy. He's not the most flashy person i would say like off the field not that it's his job to like promote personality is a lot different than ab so laid back and just chill that i you know he's not out like hyping himself like he hypes up all his teammates more than he hypes up himself and there's not many people that genuinely don't care about what other people think like a lot of people say it not many people actually like live that way i just don't think mike evans really cares what people think about him, no, other than his, his group like he's you know? more pumped up when like it was one off season where he was back home in texas and he was at a lakers rockets game and lebron came over and dapped him up and he was probably more excited about that than like you know making the pro Bowl or, or something like oh that. yeah I, yeah i think part of it's just his his chill personality and um the fact that the bucks haven't been too successful until now but now that the Bucs are winning, people are going to be more invested. I mean, who didn't love that touchdown that Mike Evans had against the Rams when he caught – it was essentially like a screen pass, and there was two defenders on him. One guy had Mike Evans by his leg, mm-hmm. and on one leg, he hopped into that end zone. Like, mm-hmm. how do you not love a player like that when he makes a play like that? So, right. yeah, let's get more national recognition for Mike Evans because Antonio Brown has it. Chris Godwin deserves it too, but Mike needs it a lot. Yeah, I think – I'll say this though, I really do think there are like weaknesses in Mike Evans' game. Uh, at his peak, I don't know if I don't know if I would say there are weaknesses in Julio Jones' game. You know, at his peak, I don't know if I'd. I mean, he's in his peak now, probably DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if I'd say there's necessarily weaknesses in DeAndre Hopkins' game. Even I mean, he's not fast, but he wins down the field all the time. So who cares? Um, you know, I, there's some guys like that. I don't think that's true about Mike Evans, and I know I'll probably get absolutely shredded in this chat, but. A um, couple of concerns with Mike Evans, just being to answer Horace's question as honestly as I can. He's not a yak guy. He's never been a yards after catch guy. Um, that's a really valuable part of playing wide receiver. Uh, I'm not going to say it's yeah. the most important thing, but I think it should be in your top five things. I mean, you got to you got to produce after the catch. And granted, he's never been used in that role heavily. There's been some seasons where it was a little bit more, but he's never stood out. I mean, you, unless there's open grass in front of you, Mike Evans has really never been a guy. Now he'll fight like crazy. Like you mentioned that Rams play, he's aggressive and he's tough, but he's not really a, a big tackle breaker. He's not really elusive in space. He's not a creator with the ball in his hands. That's not who he is. That's okay. Not everybody needs to be that way. You can still be a top 10 receiver and not be that way. The other concerns I'd say with Evans, he's kind of got a reputation for being like an elite contested catch receiver over the course of his career. And he's really not had elite contested catch numbers over the course of his career like he's he's been above 50 percent a little bit most of his career that that ties itself to catch rate too um it's hard to make this comparison because a lot of it has been his quarterback play but evans would be compared to other top wide receivers in the league which is what we're doing we're talking about elite wide receivers Mm -hmm. here so that's the baseline and then we're just talking about 
what separates him and why Horace might be onto something here. Evans' catch rate numbers are lower, and some of that's been his Winston's inaccuracy over the years. Um, he just had the best catch rate of his career this past season with Tom Brady. It's still kind of below what a lot of the other top receivers in the league are. Some of that's been drops. I mean, Evans has had his trouble with drops twice in his career. He's had double-digit percentage of his targets have been dropped. Um, so he's gone through phases where that's been an issue for him too. Um, and that's not something you've seen with Godwin and, and Julio and some of these other more elite guys, AB, that's not been something they've really struggled with in their careers. So that's been a part of it. There's an inefficiency sometimes with targeting him because of all those numbers we talked about. And because of his usage, you have to use him in a specific role. I think going back to somebody else's question, because Evans is so vertically inclined as a receiver over the course of his career, his route tree maybe isn't as diverse as some of the number ones. He hasn't played inside as much as some of the other number ones, AB, Julio, you know, those guys, Michael Thomas, even they've all played inside outside. Uh, and so it became a little bit easier to develop a plan to defend Mike Evans. I think the last year the Bucs were trying to diversify that approach with their usage of him. So there is legitimate on-field weaknesses with Evans that I think make him a part of that conversation. Now, he's also misunderstood. He's an elite route runner, and he doesn't get nobody puts him in that conversation. He's a terrific route runner, great with his hands, obviously has gr- great at catching the ball away from his frame. That's always been a real strength of his. Terrific body control, um, leaping ability, Long speed down the field. I mean, he, it's not just like a big dude down the field. He can run away from you. That is, yeah, for a dude he's his got size. Long strides where he doesn't look like he's yeah. running fast, but he's a step or two ahead. He's so light on his feet. Like, yeah, just every movement is so just smooth with him. Um, I just think he's a really. I don't think most people even know. They just see a big dude who made contested catches at Texas A&M, and they say he's a big dude who makes contested catches now, and he doesn't separate, but he makes contested catches. I think the opposite. I think he's a great separator. I mean, for to be as big as he is and drop your come back to the quarterback and make catches and separate at the top of your route against off coverage the way that he does. I mean, that's yeah, he's I think he's a great route. So I think he's just kind of misunderstood as a player, too, just in terms of his skill set. I will write more about this on Tuesday when I compare him to Chris Godwin and we have that discussion Ooh. for sure. That will be coming. Uh, yeah, Matt, people buzzing. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Let's ask this one from Garrett until we get before we get to Matt's. Uh, but before we do either of those, I do want to make sure that I mention our great friends over at Briar Greaves. You don't stay in business for over 30 years if you aren't doing something right. Briar Greaves does a lot of things right, but none more so than giving exceptional personal service to their insurance customers. We all need insurance, whether it's life, Homeowners, auto, or even commercial insurance, Briar and Sam Greaves and their staff are the best in the area and big Bucks fans. It will literally take you 10 minutes to get a quote or compare your current policy, and that 10 minutes could turn into hundreds of dollars in savings. Don't wait. Call Briar Greaves today at 813-876-4166 and find out how much money you can put back in your pocket. 30 years in the business and Bucks season ticket holders. Make sure you call Briar or Sam today great stuff from brian sam they are extremely helpful we got to meet him talk to him at one of our great. events over at the mill when scotty miller was on the show yeah great guys they're they're awesome big bucks fans uh they're just they're the kind of people that would just help you out if you if you you know are looking for that lower rate they'll definitely give you a hand um they're they're great people um okay so w- let's let's tackle some of these other questions because we do have a couple good ones here garrett wants to know if it was a fluke that the bears defense matched up as well as they did against the bucks um, tired of all the Bears fans hating on my box. Uh, that was I, one of the flukier games I've probably seen. I mean, so many things. Officials were horrendous. Remember the Shaq Barrett jumped off sides call would have been fourth down. Bucks go or Bills go down and score instead. Yeah. There, you know what the Keyshawn Vaughn fumble. Um, he wouldn't even been playing this. I don't think they were fully healthy. A running back in that right, game. Yeah, Leonard Leonard Fournette dressed, but yeah, he was like an emergency emergency right. running back. Uh, Evans and Scotty were both hurt. In that Who game, he played Evans and Scotty. Godwin didn't yeah. play. Evans and Scotty were both hurt. Evans was literally like yeah. the first snap of the game, and it was like, a Thursday night game. Yeah, Tyler yeah. Johnson was like one of your, and he Tyler Johnson played a very good game. We we he had a nice that catch and run, podcast. yeah. But again, like for that, he's a rookie playing in what his like fifth or sixth game. You know, yeah, uh, not exactly the most firepower that the Bucks had. Yeah, there's something recently. When the Bucks go to Chicago, it's just a house of horrors. Because the one before that was when uh, Fitz was the well, Fitz was the quarterback. I think that was one of his last starts, and Jameis was just getting back mm-hmm. from the suspension. And 
Mitch Trubisky carved up the Bucks defense. Oh, I remember that game. I watched yeah. it with Trevor. I rewatched it with him because he was like, dude, come help me watch this game so I can make sure I cover yeah. all the atrocities that happened. So we watched the, the game together. come to Tampa, the Bucks yeah. always smack them. I think yeah. the Bears came here when um, it was like the Bucks. It was week two, but it was the Bucks' first game of the season because the the week one got canceled because of the hurricane and mm-hmm. the Bucks just absolutely dominate them. So it's always a blowout for the home team when these two teams play. But yeah, I think that was just one of those, those games where, um, you know, the bears defense is so good. And at that time, the Bucks offense was still really working out a lot of their, yeah. I don't want to say issues because they're still learning to play together as a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the one game where Tristan Wirfs allowed a sack. Yeah. It was Khalil Mack, of course. So yeah, they had that weird penalty-ridden drive that they drove like deep into Bears territory and then had like six penalties and went all the way back to their own 20s. Yeah. That game was so bizarre. I mean, I'm was, glad it was a wake-up call for them, but what a weird yeah, that game. that was Thursday Night Football in a nutshell. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm thinking of so many plays in that game. Allen Robinson had one of the most clear offensive pass interference I've ever – on a big catch on like third down or something that put him in field goal. I think they scored in the drive. He just like – Yeah, both <laughs> Two-hand shove of Carlton Davis. Yeah. Foles was the quarterback. Carlton Davis or Jamel Dean. I'm sorry. What did he have? Two drop picks on the game winning drive for the. Yeah, I remember too. There was like a lot of guys open, but um, Foles just didn't hit hit him. Like the yeah, he did miss Darnell Mooney. You're right. So that I mean, yeah. it goes. It usually goes both ways. There's a lot of that. Now, flip side, I'd say the Giants game. The Bucks were 100 percent deserved to lose that game. Daniel Jones played like a absolute yeah. bottom tier clown quarterback and that's the only reason that the Bucs won that game really um the the play going got better in the second half for the Bucs that game but it was they went play action and it saved them but that was an ugly game for sure um well that was the narrative too sorry not to cut you off but that was the narrative for a while like oh the Bucs can't play in primetime games because they kept it looked pretty true for a while badly or they struggled against (laughs) they win but they play against a bad team but yeah I think that narrative has been debunked now after yeah I agree. Um, Matt says, do you think that, the, and by the way, the Bucs are coming to Tampa this season. So hopefully. Well, they play all their games in yeah. Tampa. Oh, by the way. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm saying the Bears. Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> the Bears. But did you see that the Bucs or the Bears are uh, maybe moving on from Soldier Field? I, I just saw that before going on the show. Yeah, they put in an offer. No way. I'm not familiar with the area, but they put in an offer for something else around there. So yeah, it may be a wow. new, maybe time for a new state. Now it'd be a couple of years, obviously, but yeah. But that would, uh, yeah, that might be happening. That's like a really historic stadium. I know, I know. Most say it's the worst stadium in the league. I have not been. Yeah, I've heard it's not like great things. So maybe they're just, it's just time maybe. Matt says, do you think that the Bucks tight ends alone could combine for 1,600 yards and 16 touchdowns? If not, what kind of numbers do you project from that group? Yeah, I think that that's not crazy. Matt might be 16 touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm thinking it's possible. Okay, I don't know. So you're you're pretty much doing like Gronk. Those aren't and, crazy numbers. Gronk sure. and OJ would get the lion's share, and then Cam Brate would have like sprinkle in a couple. This, things yeah, here this there. would be the high end estimation, but I don't think it's unrealistic yeah. high end. Um, you know, I mean, Gronk I don't get seven like, touchdowns last year. OJ had a couple. Yeah, Gronk had what seven? OJ had two, and Cam Brate had how many? Brate have. He had a couple in the playoffs. I know that usage yeah. will come into play here, but yeah, Bray had yeah. two in the postseason. So this would be a great this would be a, a great year for their tight end room if they had sixteen hundred sixteen t- with all the other weapons that they have. But it's I don't think it's totally unrealistic. Yeah, um, I, I would, I would say it. more like thirteen hundred yard thirteen. Right, you Maybe you froze out there, but um. I would give it like yeah, you maybe a 30% chance of 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 going down. Yeah. I think that's fair. I was saying I think more like 1300 yards, 13 touchdowns, something yeah. like that. That's that fair. Yeah, 13 I think like if I was going to bet I I would do that type of bet of like will the Bucks tight ends get 13 touchdowns? I would say yeah. yes. To that. 16 a little too much. Right. Bucks time wants to know John how much of a Bucks fan are you right now putting aside trying to be neutral and all? I've always said this the same way. I've never lied the fact that if you cover a team in the media, I think people are silly to try and hide the fact that you want that team to win. Like, obviously you want that team to win. Like how much more fun is it? First of all, to cover a winning team. Second of all, we, you know, the interest level goes up when the team wins. Um, so that's good for us. Just yeah. Business wise. It's like the interest, you know, yeah. Like, 
all do the I, notoriety around it, people get into it. It's like, right. it's almost like who wants to own, cover a team like the Bengals? It doesn't want to right, play like game. It, like, it's almost like, okay, well, if you own a drugstore or uh, like a car dealership, would you rather have more cars sold or less cars sold? Like, yeah. you would want, you, you would the want box are, the box or the business, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So there's that aspect of it. But I guess he's probably asking me to put that aside. And yeah, I love football and I cover this team. And so, and I, and obviously seeing them win last year. I just also think it's just an easy organization to root for. I root for the Steelers. I grew up rooting for them. I always root for them. They're a frustrating organization to root for. They just are. They just don't do a lot of things the right way. They've been saved by good quarterback play and and really a lot of talented players for a long time, but they haven't really built that out necessarily as well as they should. And so I think we're going to see some downtimes there, but that's a story for another time. I think it's just really easy to be to like what the Bucks do. They don't do many things that I would disagree with from a philosophical standpoint. So to a lot of people, it probably feels like pandering, but I, if you've seen me in Pittsburgh and and you know that I can be critical of a team even when I like them, there's just not – what is there really – I was talking about this with Greg Alvin the other day at practice. We're trying to be unbiased, but what are you going to be negative about? They Everything they've done for since I started covering the team has been like spot on. The worst things they've done are like LaShawn McCoy and Joe Haig. Like, yeah. I, you know what I well, mean? That's the like, thing. It's the character of the team and, and the people in the organization that when you see them win a Super Bowl, you're just so happy for them because you know that they're really good people and everyone goes right. through trials and tribulations and things like that. Yeah. I think that's, you know. And they just treat they treat us awesome. They treat us awesome. They literally they just won best PR team yeah. in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, they they, they treat us great. Uh, that's been – I love them. So, I mean, I yeah, it's been a great experience so far. So, obviously, yeah, I think you want to see them, you know, have success and be positive, you know, about all those kinds of things. But, you know, from last year, you know, as much as I wanted that, you know, when they weren't doing – when they went through that three-game stretch, I wrote a couple of those big pieces about, right, like, yeah, this right. is what they're literally doing these things wrong. And if they don't change, they're going to be one and done in the playoffs if they even get there at all. So, I mean – yeah, like so you team is the greatest in every single area, right? On, at every single position in football, you know, that's right. not the right. case. So, yeah, definitely, I would, I want to see him win every week. That's the so, I guess, whatever level of team have that kind of success every week for sure. Um, will we get to see the creamsicle again this year? Somebody said, Oh, I scrolled past it, but I saw it. Will we get to see the creamsicle again this year? Oh, man. Seeing the creamsicle right now, baby. Creamsicle. This Very is pretty, nice. pretty creamsicle, right? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I, uh, I don't think we will. I mean, the NFL's rule is still in place, right? Right. So there was a little buzz generated before the start of last season. I believe Bruce Arians went on. It was either the Dan Patrick show or the Rich Eisen show. I want to say Dan Patrick, but that's neither here nor there. And they were... Asking like, oh, when are you going to bring back the the creamsicles? It'd be great to see Brady in a creamsicle. And Bruce Arians was like, I think they're the best jerseys in football. We can't do that right now with the helmet rule. But he mentioned something about that. We'll see next season. We'll see if the NFL changes their rule. And it, it's it sounded a little bit like he was hinting at that there could be a rule change where you can use a different helmet and therefore bring back a lot of the the alternate jerseys mm. that for for multiple teams that we haven't seen in a while because of this this helmet rule. I so love it. at this point, I mean you never know, maybe they they could make an announcement before training camp or in the middle of training camp. I don't know if we see it this year, but I definitely mm. think within the next 3 years we'll see the creamsicle again. Well, Brady's all about it. Remember he posted about it. He wants yeah. to wear a creamsicle before he retires. So Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see it. We'll see. A uh, so cool. couple more real quick before we wrap up. Vortex, do you think Geo is a better, worse, or equal player to Fournette? I think he's a better player because the most important things about running backs are and the most distinguishing characteristics about running back are the passing game and pass protection. Rushing, I think you could probably find a lot of guys that give you equal. You know, you might give Fournette an edge there, but it's not a significant one to me. That's what I would say is that they're just – two very different players at the same position. Like, okay, if you want to talk receiving, yeah, Giovanni Bernard's way better than Leonard Fournette. If you want to talk about pounding the rock and running in between the tackles or cutting it to the outside and things like that. Well, I guess cutting to the outside, Bernard would be pretty good too. But as, mm-hmm. as, yeah, as far as like a physical just runner, then yeah, it's it's Leonard Fournette. So I don't know, two different players different, yeah, are right. very helpful for the Bucks. Right. Oh, man. If Scott and Mark were on for this one, they'd probably have a thing or two to say. 
Is Levante David considered oh, a better man. Buccaneer than Warren Sapp now that he has a ring? <laughs> Scott and Mark would tell you no. Warren Sapp, best. I think that what they'd say best Buccaneer of all time, right? I, the yeah. only one Mark might argue for Leroy Selman because he's yeah. old school like that, but. I think they'd say Sapp number one. Brooks because Brooks is a is an yeah. FSU guy. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, good point. I know um, that's that's a tough one. I, I'm gonna just defer to Scott and Mark on that one, just because like they watched all of Sapp's career and all of Levante's career up until now. Like you know, when the Bucks won their first Super Bowl, I think I was in, I was either in elementary school or middle or like seventh grade. So. And like I've watched, you know, you obviously watch tape of all the greats and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I'm uh, not sure how he, I, I think Dave is one of the better linebackers to ever play. But uh, Sapp, yeah, I mean, I mean, Sapp is one of a kind. I mean, they yeah, built that defense around like giving him opportunities to yeah. to pass rush and things like that yeah. as a defensive. T- and yeah, I mean, defensive player of the year at defensive tackle, and like you know, was the Bucks leader in sacks up until Shaq Barrett. Uh, the single season, you don't see that all the time for the defense tackle. So the answer is Sap, but that's not right. to take away any credit from Levante David. Right. Buccaneer Bruce says Sap and Brooks were better. And I, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're talking about splitting hairs here. Probably one of the things we'll do um, this summer, actually, over the next couple of weeks, we will build that. We will give you our top 10 bucks of all time list. I've actually worked on mine before, and I know everybody else will kind of give their input too in their ranking of those top 10. But yeah, that's something we're, uh, that's coming your way as well as next week, we're going to have some other things coming your way too, in terms of pieces of content that I think are going to be exciting for people uh, to check out, including this podcast where we'll talk about where Buccaneers, Buccaneers players are ranked in the NFL right now in amongst their position groups compared to other players. We're going to have some con- some written content and some podcast content about those topics. So should be pretty fun stuff. But first, Matt, before we close out today's show, I got to let you know. I got to let you know right before Father's Day, Matt, that the brand new Lawnmower 4.0, an ultra smooth package from Manscaped, is perfect for you and the dad in your life to complete your grooming game. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code Pewter, P E W T E R, at manscaped.com. Is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming, and their brand new shaving tools just dropped right in time for Father's Day. We've been telling you about it. If you haven't gotten that Father's Day gift yet, or if you're asking, saying, "Hey, I want this for Father's Day," tell people, let people know what they can get you. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer available in the USA and Canada. Lots of good perks about it. Uh, it is uh, a multifunction on/off switch. You can engage that travel lock so it doesn't go off in your pack or whatever. Um, that's, that's a, I, you know, you get there and you, the battery's out. That's a problem sometimes. Um, so nice little travel lock. It has bright light. So you got a nice precise shave down there. Guard lengths trim to your liking. Uh, I think it waterproof comes with the crop exfoliator and the crop gel. <sighs> terrific, terrific stuff. Comfort, smooth, all of it keeps it protected with the complete package in this ultra smooth uh, package uh, that, that has a, it's basically a kit. It has all this stuff in there for you. Um, so the three precision blades that come with the crop shaver, that's one of the key things too. They got three precision blades with extra wide lubricating strips, pivoting head. It gives you all the things that you need to be able to clean up down there and get everything done down there that you need to. And it's 20% off with free shipping. And the promo code is pewter P E W T E R at manscape.com. That's where you can check it out. Tell people what you want for Father's Day. Be honest with them. Be real with them. Don't be afraid to go Manscaped. All right, Matt. Crushed it. Got to close, close, close this thing out well. Let's tell the people about last day. This uh, We get to tell them about this giveaway at least. Uh, we've, we promised earlier in the show, uh, Pewter Report fans, that we would tell you about a giveaway and a chance that you have to win some free Celsius. Now the time has come. PewterReport.com, the Pewter Report podcast, excited to announce a brand new giveaway with Celsius and fast energy bars. These things are so good. I actually broke one open before the show, and I was getting a little hungry. Salted caramel peanut crunch or the white chocolate cookies and cream. You get your choice of the Fast Brands flavor. And in this contest, you get the chance to win 
your choice of a case of Celsius, your favorite flavor, and your choice of your favorite fast protein bar, a box of those. All you have to do to enter is go to www.celsius.com slash pewter to enter your name and your email. It's all it asks for. Then you're entered in. You can be one of 10 winners to win that case of Celsius and the Fast Brands box of protein bars of your flavor choice for both. Can't get a better deal than that. That's all you got to do. The link is going to be in the YouTube description. You can see it up there on the screen. Pull up another tab, jot that baby down, get into that contest uh, and get into that giveaway. Do it now. The giveaway is going to be selected on June 22nd. That is very, very close. What is today? The today 17th. Is do it, 17th. people. So do it now. Get in here. Get into that contest. Close. Get yourself a chance. Sign up. Get yourself some free Celsius and some free fast protein bars. Get yoked and get healthy today. I'm just making up these catchphrases at the end. They're not in the script. They're just literally coming naturally from me. That's get great. yoked. I like it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. This is what we do on the Peter Report Podcast. This exactly. is what we do. All right, last question to close it out. I just saw a bunch of people ask about it. The secondary. The secondary. What? What's the story with the Bucks secondary? The safeties, I think we know about at this point. We know about Carlton. How concerned are we about Sean Murphy, Bunding, and Jamel Dean? In a word, I'm still concerned. I know that the recency bias would tell us, relax, they're going to be fine. They play great in the playoffs. They play fine. I don't know. I don't know who they are yet. Uh, I thought it, going into last year, I said the biggest question mark about the Bucs is their secondary, and I included Carlton Davis in that. And obviously Winfield being a young player, Whitehead at that point had not played nearly as well as he did last year. Edwards had not played as well as he did last year. So that was the huge question mark about their whole team. Everything else I knew about it felt like. For a lot of the year, it looked like that was going to be the weakness with this team. And in the playoffs, they were one of the big group's biggest strengths. They played great uh, yeah. all the way up until the Super Bowl. They just absolutely played their best game of the year. Um, I don't know. I, I I think Winfield's going to be a star. I think Davis is going to be a star. That helps right away when you have two guys I think are going to be studs. Um, I don't know if Winfield's a star yet this year, but the way he looked at minicamp, man, like I think he's going to be really, really good. Um, I think White is – I feel confident in him after watching him last year. He was really consistently good last year. Um, I'm not confident at all in Dean or Murphy Bunning. Just not. Not at all. I don't think they have a natural slot corner. I just think Dean is going to be a roller coaster all the time. Um <laughs> And I don't know if Murphy Bunning technically, if he can get his technique right, maybe. But and if they can use him right, more press man. But that that to me is a big concern. Yeah, I I mean the Bucks secondary overall has a great foundation, and I think if you go across the league and you look at other teams' second and third wide receivers, I wouldn't be too surprised if other teams are having similar conversations of, oh, we're not sure about this guy or that guy. But the Bucks have a great foundation. Yeah, my concern would really be is when the Bucks would fall too much into n- not playing the type of football that they're best at, which is that right. press man coverage, getting those tall, lanky corners up at the front of the line of scrimmage and jamming the receivers. Mm-hmm. That's really my biggest concern more than the play of Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel mm-hmm. Dean. I do agree that they, they have to prove themselves. This is a really big year for them um, in their progression in the NFL. But like overall, I, I if on a scale of one to ten of my concern level, I'd put a four. Less than four it was ten. last year. What's up? Less than it was last year. The concern yes, level. Agreed. Agreed. Way less. Yeah. But still a concern. Still my biggest concern with the team is is that. No, that's fair. You're definitely right there. I just not that there's many concerns. <laughs> yeah, and uh, again, like the strengths of this team will help compensate for, you know, different areas of where they might struggle. Cause okay. Jamel Dean gets beat. Well, Shaq Barrett gets the sack, you know? Yeah, right. Like right. Right. Uh, long lost Glazer says, I missed the past few podcasts. Has anyone mentioned the Werfs and Donovan backflips wild scene? Yes. Uh, I see some people asking, they did backflips into a pool. Yeah. Uh, that was awesome. that, yeah. I can't do that, man. I, I just can't do that. that. And so to be their size and do it, crazy some special freak athletes for sure on this team all right so next week on the pod we'll see if scott's gonna be back pray for that voices maybe we get his voice back next week and we get him back on the pod we'll see matt stepping in for three shows this week with mark on vacation and scott sick let's go let's give it up for matt let's a little bit appreciate you yeah thanks a lot to i you know i saw some people commenting yeah the love has been out for matt matera baby i appreciate you guys i appreciate it thank you i love it I love it. I love it. The people, people recognize greatness. That's all that it is. You know, that's <laughs> real recognize real. That's right. Real recognize. That's right. So You're we'll welcome. be back on the pod next week. We'll promise we'll give you as much of Matt as you can handle. 
uh, on the podcast. Um, and But hopefully we get Scott back. Mark will be back from vacation. So we'll come at you with the offseason content next week. We're going to rank some of these bucks across the league. There's going to be some content with it. We're going to talk about Chris Godwin or Mike Evans next week. Of course, we'll be bringing the gas. Don't worry about that. That'll always be happening. We'll be bringing the gas to, to bring the heat. Um, for this offseason we're gonna have some fun summer content on this podcast so again subscribe if you're not pewter report tv go subscribe to the pewter report podcast and get the bell for, click the bell for one, notifications for when we go live and tell spread the word tell your friends and your family hey you like the bucks this is the pod you need to check it out we want every bucks fan out there in the world imagine being a bucks fan in this time right now and not knowing about the pewter report podcast that's a sin i mean that is a sin yeah, you gotta man. tell everybody that loves this team yeah exactly spread the word Help people to stay blameless and sinless and tell them about the Peter Report Pod so that they aren't missing out on this great fun during the most fun time of the year to be a Bucks fan, most fun year to be a Bucks fan ever. Make sure you are blessing your people in that way. Have Thank you so much. Tell their friends. Yes. Tell their friends to tell their friends. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. 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 Be yes. Be our agents of change in the world. Thank you, Bucks fans. And thank you for listening to another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Out. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, including you, John. And uh, football's the best sport in the world. Pickleball is the sport of the future. And bocce is the sport of champions. That's a great take. Great take. Out.